I trust you'll understand the selection of that psalm as we read our scripture reading. Please open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1 and verse 28, and reading through to chapter 3 and verse 15. God's messenger to a rebellious house. We saw last week that vision of the glory of God. At the end of uh, chapter 1, it says, very last verse, 28b. So when I saw it, I fell on my face. And I heard a voice of one speaking. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I'm sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll, And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate. And it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you, because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I made your face strong against their faces, and your forehead strong against their foreheads, like adamant stone, harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you, and hear with your ears. And go, get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them, and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. 
The Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice, Blessed is the glory of the Lord from this place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels beside them, and a great thunderous noise. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to the captives at Tel Aviv, who dwelt by the river Chebar, and I sat where they sat, and remained there astonished among them seven days. So far the reading of God's holy word. How many of us would like to be an Old Testament prophet? Faithful prophets of the Lord certainly did not have an easy life. Their words were often rejected and their warnings unheeded. As God's messengers, their words often included scathing denunciations. Therefore, they were sometimes ridiculed, oppressed, and even murdered. In Luke 11, Jesus spoke of the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world. Throughout Israel's history, there was a trail of blood. To be a faithful prophet, you had to be willing to give your life in service to the Lord. It was certainly not an easy calling. A prophet could not enter the office for the sake of popularity or to be seen and commended by men. He was not looking for a place in the spotlight. He was simply a spokesman for God, raised up by the Lord to proclaim his word. He did not enter the office by his own initiative, but by the Lord's initiative. God called and appointed him to the work. In the second chapter of Ezekiel, we see the Lord calling and commissioning one of his servants, setting a man apart for a special task. Ezekiel was selected to be a prophet to God's people in captivity. We saw last week from chapter 1, verse 3, that Ezekiel was a priest. As a young man, he would have been educated and trained for priestly service. But before he actually had the opportunity to serve in the temple, he was carried off to Babylon. He was 25 years old when Nebuchadnezzar took Jerusalem, and therefore he never had the privilege of serving in God's temple. Nevertheless, the Lord had a very special purpose for him. He could not serve in the normal role of priest, but God called him instead to the task of prophet. Ezekiel was 30 years old. He was five years in captivity when the heavens were opened and he saw visions of God, a most glorious revelation of his majesty. He saw a throne chariot driven by the Lord himself and drawn, as it were, by four heavenly creatures who are later identified as cherubim. Ezekiel saw the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when he saw it, he fell on his face. 
In the ancient world, it was common for people to lie with their face on the ground when they came in the presence of their king. Ezekiel knew that he was in the presence of the king of kings, and therefore he fell down before him in adoration and deep respect. The congregation of the Lord did not leave him lying on his face in the dust. There was work for him to do. The appearance of the glory of God was not intended to permanently paralyze him, but to propel him into service. Ezekiel was going to be God's messenger to a rebellious house. From this passage, we want to consider five things. His empowerment, his commission, his obedience, his stubbornness, and his bitterness. First of all, his empowerment. Lying with his face on the ground, verse 1, Ezekiel heard a voice speaking to him. The voice said, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then look at, in your Bibles to verse 2. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. As Ezekiel lay prostrate on the ground, awed by the divine majesty, he heard the voice of the living God, the voice of the one on the throne. What an amazing experience this must have been. The psalmist said in Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. It was this powerful voice of the Lord that Ezekiel heard. The voice said, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. The impression that we have here is that Ezekiel, Ezekiel was powerless to rise to his feet. He was totally exhausted by the revelation of the glory of God, completely without strength. His body was limp. He could not do what God commanded him to do, namely to stand on his feet. And therefore, the Lord himself empowered him and enabled him to respond to the command. The Spirit of the Lord entered him, raised him from the ground, set him on his feet, and enabled him to stand before the Lord. Here, the prophet's name becomes very meaningful, for Ezekiel means God strengthens. It was by his strength that Ezekiel was raised up, and it was by his strength that he was to fulfill his prophetic assignment. Ezekiel had to know from the outset that if he was to be a faithful prophet, he had to labor by the power of the Spirit of God. He could not serve by human strength. He could not rely on his own gifts or natural abilities. He had to depend on the power of the Spirit. He had to learn to lean not on himself, but on the enabling strength of God alone. As Jesus, the supreme servant of Yahweh in Isaiah 42, fulfilled his ministry by the power of the Spirit, so Ezekiel commenced his prophetic task by the power of the Spirit. 
A congregation, these words should remind us that if you desire to serve God and bring honor to Him with your life, you cannot depend on your own abilities. You cannot be self-confident. You need to pray for and trust the power of the Spirit of God. What do we read in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6? Maybe some of you children know that text. Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. To remain faithful to God, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you stronger than Ezekiel? More talented than Ezekiel? Not likely. As he needed to be empowered by the Spirit, so do we. That is true for church leaders, elders, deacons, pastors, missionaries, but it also applies to every member of the body of Christ. Even though we may not be called to the same task as Ezekiel, we all need to be empowered by the Spirit to be faithful Christians in his service. Then secondly, let's look at his commission. His commission. What was Ezekiel called to do? What was his mandate? Well, please look to verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me, and they and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Verse 4, for they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Ezekiel learns about his call. God has an extremely difficult assignment for him. He has to preach to a nation whose history was largely characterized by spiritual rebellion. He has to preach to an unwelcoming, unreceptive audience, an extremely stubborn people. Verse 3, verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, and verse 8 contain the word rebellious, 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 rebellious. Rebellious is found 25 times in this book. Ezekiel could only anticipate a ministry full of hostility and disapproval of his message. Before he even began, he knew that people would hate and oppose him. Verse 4 says they are impudent and stubborn children. More literally, verse 4 says they are stiff of face and hard of heart. Stiff-faced and hard-hearted. God did not say, God did not say, Ezekiel, I'm sending you to the most wonderful people who are hungry for the Word of God. Oh man, they're going to embrace you. They're going to love you. They're going to ask for more teaching. They're going to send you cards of encouragement. They're going to admire you for your unwavering commitment to the Scriptures. Ezekiel, you're going to enjoy a fruitful and prosperous ministry. God didn't promise any of that. He gave him absolutely no assurance of what we would call success. He didn't say there were going to be numerous converts, that his preaching would produce repentance. He didn't say that his labors would have any positive impact upon the nation at all. In fact, God told Ezekiel to be prepared for quite the opposite. Go with me to verse 6. 
The Lord said to him, and you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. The angry criticism that Ezekiel could expect would be as painful as briars, thorns, and scorpions. His audience is going to resist and hurt him. Ezekiel had to be prepared for the worst. Congregation, when the word and judgments of God are proclaimed, it's not always received with thanksgiving. When the word exposes sin, and calls sinners to faith and repentance, it sometimes creates a response of hostility and anger. There have been many faithful men in the history of the church have been thrown out of their pulpits because members of the church didn't like what they heard. Godly preachers have been forced out because the word they brought was too convicting. It touched sensitive nerves and made the people in the pew annoyed because they didn't want to leave their sin and cast themselves upon the mercy of Christ. Today, today many Reformed and Presbyterian people speak highly of John Kelvin as a preacher and profound theologian. But in Kelvin's day, there were many who hated him, slandered him, and opposed his ministry. There were some who named their dogs after him. He suffered much at the hands of his own people. Well, Ezekiel knew that the task to which he was called was not going to make him loved and appreciated. Nevertheless, he was told to take up his commission without fear. Verse 6, have a look, verse 6. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Do not be dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel had to remember that in the midst of frightening circumstances, the Lord was with him. His future and security were not determined by man, but by the Lord of glory who sits upon the throne. This God, before whom he had fallen on his face in the dust, was his Lord, master, and protector. People may rise up against him, briars, thorns, and scorpions against him, but the Lord of glory was with him and had commissioned him. Brothers and sisters, this knowledge of the presence and blessing of God was not only a source of comfort and strength to Ezekiel, it was also a source of strength for the apostles when the risen Lord sent them out to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Jesus said to them what? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The promise of his presence enabled the apostles to go forth without fear. In the midst of opposition, danger, rebellion, and persecution, the Lord was with them, and they knew that he would never forsake them. A congregation that is also our comfort today when we labor in the service of God. Whether we proclaim the word to those within the church or testify to those outside the church, we need the assurance of his presence so that we can communicate the law and the gospel without fear. Well, then thirdly, 
Our passage not only describes his empowerment and his commission, but also his obedience. His obedience. The Lord cautioned Ezekiel not to be like the people that he was called to minister to. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. The Lord said to him, but you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. If Ezekiel was to serve as God's prophet, his messenger, he could not be rebellious. To faithfully communicate the word, he had to obey the word. He had to serve in God's way according to God's will. In verses 8 through 10, and the first three verses of chapter 3, Ezekiel's willingness to obey the Lord is symbolized. In verse 8, the Lord said to him, open your mouth and eat what I give you. When Ezekiel looked up, he saw a hand stretched out to him, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. The Lord spread it out before him, and Ezekiel saw that there was writing on both sides. On it were lamentations, mourning, and woe. The Lord said to him, chapter 3, verse 1, son of man, Eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So Ezekiel opened his mouth, and God caused him to eat the scroll. When he ate it, it was sweet as honey in his mouth. Ezekiel's willingness to eat the scroll demonstrated what? His acceptance of God's call as a prophet and his willingness to do what God commanded him to do. In Revelation 10, the apostle John was commanded to eat the book. Well, so it was here. For Ezekiel, a scroll was no more appetizing than what a book would be for you today. If someone held before you a book and told you to eat it, you'd probably frown and respond negatively. But Ezekiel's willingness to accept the scroll and obey this unusual command to eat it proved his submission to the will of God. And his submission to the will of God became a pleasant experience. To his surprise, the scroll tasted as sweet as honey in his mouth. Now, congregation, the eating of the scroll brings to mind what Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4. What did he say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Ezekiel had to know that he needed not only food for the body to carry out his difficult ministry, but more importantly, he needed the Word of God. He had to be filled with the Word so that he would preach only what God had given him to preach. The sweetness of the scroll brings to mind the words of Psalm 119, verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Or Psalm 19, verse 10, speaking of the commandments of God, the psalmist said, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Also the prophet Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. The word of God is sweeter than honey to those who receive it, believe it, and obey it by faith. The same scroll that would taste very bitter to the rebellious house of Israel tasted sweet in the prophet's mouth. 
Now, notice how this scroll is described. Chapter 2, verse 10 says, there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Ordinarily, in the ancient world, scrolls only had writing on one side and were blank on the other. But this scroll had writing on both sides. It was completely covered. What does this signify? Well, it may indicate first that the Lord had much for Ezekiel to communicate to the nation of Israel. Lamentations, mourning, and woe cover the scroll on both sides. Ezekiel had plenty of bad news to communicate to the people. That was the bulk of his message. Second, the fact that this scroll was written on both sides may also indicate that Ezekiel was to preach only what God had given him to preach and nothing more. There was no room for Ezekiel to add to it or tamper with it, no allowance for his own additions whatsoever. Ezekiel was called to preach only what God had communicated to him and nothing more. He could not soften the message or add to the message. He had to preach exactly what God had given him to preach. By opening his mouth to eat the scroll, Ezekiel was declaring his willingness to accept God's assignment to preach the word and to do so without softening the message. He was commanded to eat the scroll so that the word of God would be absorbed into his very being. The strength of his prophetic ministry came from the consumption of the word. Then fourthly, In addition to his empowerment, his commission, and his obedience, our passage also reveals his stubbornness. His stubbornness. Stubbornness is not usually a quality that we admire, right? It's often sinful. The people of Israel were repeatedly condemned for being a stubborn people. When a person stubbornly rejects the truth, it results in condemnation and rejection by God. And so stubbornness is not typically a characteristic that we set forth as a virtue. But there are times when stubbornness is good, necessary, and even required by God. In verses 4 through 11 of chapter 3, the Lord told Ezekiel that he had to minister to a people who were incredibly stubborn. To proclaim God's word to them, Ezekiel also had to be stubborn. He had to be stubborn with a righteous stubbornness. He could not yield to the people, compromise his message, cower under their threats, or ignore their sin. In verses 4 through 6 of chapter 3, the Lord said that he was sending Ezekiel with his word to a people who would fully understand what he was saying. But then the Lord said this. Go with me, please, in your Bibles to verse 7. But the house of Israel will not listen to you, because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. God said, Ezekiel, you are to go to the house of Israel, but as you go, know in advance that they will not listen. They will not listen to you because in their heart they have rejected me. 
To enable Ezekiel to go to the rebellious house of Israel, the Lord said to him in verse 8, Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces, and your forehead strong against their foreheads, like adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. To repeatedly address an unreceptive audience can be extremely wearying, but God promised to give Ezekiel the determination and resolve to do it. God would make Ezekiel's face strong and his forehead harder than flint. He would enable Ezekiel to stand face to face, head to head with the people that he preached to. Israel was stubborn in a sinful way, stubbornly resisting God. The Lord would make Ezekiel stubborn in a righteous way, stubborn in proclaiming and defending the truth of God. God would make him unyielding, persistent, and inflexible, bullheaded in a positive sense of the word. Congregation, we need to be careful that we are not stubborn when we are called to submit to the will of God that we do not obstinately live in our sin and refuse to repent. We need to beware lest we harden our heart to the gospel of Christ. Consider this. Are any of you becoming hardened, resisting God's truth and opposing the message of the cross? Do any of you have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart? Are there any young men or women here who come to church, but you don't want to change your life? You don't want to change your ways. You're not listening to the message of Christ crucified. You don't want to repent and change your ways. Could there be something like that here this afternoon? It is extremely, extremely dangerous and foolish to be stubborn when it comes to submitting to the will of God. But on the other hand, we should also pray that the Lord would make us stubborn with respect to upholding truth and righteousness. We must not yield when it comes to our commitment to the word. We cannot give up biblical truth or compromise our commitment to scripture when we're opposed or threatened. May God give us righteous stubbornness. Righteous stubbornness. Too often we are cowards when it comes to declaring biblical truth. Cowards in addressing sinful situations. May God make our foreheads harder than flint so that we may be steadfast, faithful in serving Him. Not long ago I mentioned that when the Scottish reformer John Knox was buried, the Earl of Morton said at his grave, here lies one who never feared flesh. God gave him great determination to speak the word of the Lord and to do so without compromise. He was righteously persistent in the task that God had given him. Well, so it was for the prophet Ezekiel. 
His task was one that would be filled with sorrow, opposition, and misery. But God granted him a determined spirit to say, Thus says the Lord. Whether they listened or refused, he continued to say, Thus says the Lord. And so I ask you again, are you, are you characterized by a sinful stubbornness that rejects the voice of God or by a holy stubborn, stubbornness that is driven by commitment to Scripture? Then finally, we see from this passage not only his empowerment, his commission, his obedience, and his God-given stubbornness, but we also see at the end of this passage his bitterness. His bitterness. Having received his commission and charge from the Lord, we read in verse 12 that the Spirit lifted Ezekiel up, and he heard behind him a great thunderous voice, Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. Then he also heard the noise of the wings of the four living creatures, the cherubim, and the noise of the wheels of God's chariot, verse 13. In the midst of a thunderous noise, the Spirit lifted him up, took him away, and transported him back to where the other captives were located. But notice, congregation, the comment in verse 14. Have a look, verse 14. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Why was Ezekiel bitter and angry? Heat of my spirit in verse 14 can also be translated anger, wrath, or fury. Why was he bitter and angry? Some commentators suggest that he felt the same emotions towards Israel's sin as God did. He was looking upon the people through God's eyes, and his anger reflects God's anger. Other theologians believe that verse 14 seems to indicate that for a moment, Ezekiel's human emotions began to take over. The vision of the glory of God in chapter 1 and his call to be a prophet in chapter 2 so dramatically changed his life that for a moment he became bitter and angry. He was called to preach to a rebellious house, called to a life of difficulty and hostility, a life of guaranteed grief and loneliness. The reality of what awaited him caused him to experience a moment of bitterness and anger. He had a mountaintop experience when he saw God's throne chariot drawn by four cherubim. He saw the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. But now, as the Spirit transported him back to the, to the captives by the river Chebar, he returned to the real world. And he began to realize that from now on, his life was not going to become easier but more difficult. Having come down from the mountaintop, he became overwhelmed by the difficult circumstances and began to resent it. He was so shaken that it took him seven days, seven days to get over it. Verse 15 says he was astonished for seven days. Brothers and sisters, could it be that Ezekiel's bitterness and anger encompassed both of these things? 
Perhaps to some degree, his anger reflected God's holy bitterness and anger against Israel's rebellion. But was there also a measure of bitterness and anger with respect to the enormous task before him? Ezekiel may have been a great prophet, a faithful messenger of God, but the Bible does not hide the fact that he also had his moments of weakness and lack of faith. I think we can all sympathize, can't we? How often have we been dissatisfied with God's plan for our life? How often have we complained about his calling? How often have we been angry or grumbled about the ways of the Lord? How often have we murmured in our heart when God's ways didn't seem to be right? We are people who are easily dissatisfied with his ways. We say, Lord, I don't want to do that. There's a price to pay if I take that road. Lord, I'm not the right person for the job. Like Moses, we say, Lord, I can't speak. Like Jeremiah, we say, Lord, I'm only a youth. Like Jonah, we tend to run in the opposite direction. How often in the history of the church have men turned down the office of elder because they don't want to deal with the difficulties? Or avoided the office of deacon because they don't want the aggravations? How often have men suppressed thoughts of the ministry because they didn't want to face criticism and the likelihood of opposition? We are people who are easily frightened, easily discouraged, and easily dissatisfied with the ways of God, aren't we? Brothers and sisters, are there times when we need to repent of those thoughts and labor more willingly and diligently wherever God would have us serve? With the hand of the Lord strong upon Ezekiel, verse 14b, he was able to do that. He was able to overcome bitterness and anger, and he was able to serve as God's messenger to a rebellious house, as we will see in coming chapters. As the Lord enabled Ezekiel to take up his calling, so the Lord will enable you and me to serve according to his will. But then, congregation, as we close, I want to remind you of a greater prophet. A prophet who was also sent to a rebellious house. A prophet who was also called son of man. In his prophetic office, Ezekiel served as a type of one greater to come. All the Old Testament prophets pointed to the great prophet whom God would send. Moses said, do you remember in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed. The prophet of which Moses spoke was, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his prophetic task, Ezekiel was a type of Christ, the chief prophet. 
Ezekiel was sent to a rebellious house, but brothers and sisters, Jesus was also sent to a rebellious house. He wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Ezekiel suffered rejection from many of those who heard his preaching. Jesus also suffered rejection from many who heard his preaching. Briars, thorns, scorpions. Those who rejected Ezekiel rejected God. Those who rejected Jesus rejected God. But dear friends, Jesus was able to do something that Ezekiel could never do. He was able to pay the penalty for the sins of a rebellious, covenant-breaking people to pay the price for those who rejected God. He was not only able, but he was willing. Ezekiel was called to a difficult task, but our Lord Jesus was called to the most difficult task. Ezekiel was stubborn in a good sense of the word. And of Jesus we read, Isaiah 50, verse 7, I have set my face like a flint. I have set my face like a flint. Setting his face like a flint describes Jesus' unwavering determination to persevere in the agonizing task that was set before him. He endured unfathomable humiliation on his journey to the cross. There he suffered for a rebellious people, was cursed and crucified, died, gave his life so that rebels such as you and I may be restored to God. Then may each one of you today listen to that great prophet as he speaks to you by his word and spirit. Are you listening? Are you listening? Receive his word. Believe his message. And humbly and thankfully receive his pardoning grace so that you will not be condemned as a rebellious, hard-hearted people. Receive the grace of the great prophet, the great priest, the great king, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we acknowledge once again that as your people, we can sometimes be so hard-hearted and so spiritually insensitive. We see it in the history of Israel. Even though you had showered your blessings upon them and given them promise after promise after promise, how we need, Lord, your spirit to shape us and mold us that we may respond rightly to your truth. That we would not be stubborn in resisting the message of the gospel, but rather that we would be stubborn 
with respect to upholding and defending your truth. Lord, will you change us? Will you make us what we ought to be as your people, as your church? May we heed the voice of the great prophet, our Lord Jesus Christ. May we, by your work within us, may we receive your word, may we believe the message of salvation, may we humbly and thankfully receive your pardoning grace. We pray, dear God, that none of us here would one day be condemned as a rebellious, hard-hearted people. Receive us. Be patient with us. Set before us again and again your truth and convict us over and over again by the power of your word and spirit. Hear us, Lord, and take hold of us and transform us for the glory of the Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.